Welcome to the Rob Seco Field Ready Podcast with your host, Jim Robinson. Welcome to the Field Ready Podcast. I'm your guest host, Kip Bro, and today joining me, I'm proud to have on a man that's often referred to as the planter doctor, Mr. Kevin Kimberly from Kimberly Ag Consulting. Welcome, Kevin. Oh, thank you for having me today. Yeah, Kevin, just uh, give us a little bit about your background. I know you've been in the industry a long time, uh, you know, 31 plus years doing uh, Kimberly Ag Consulting, but you have a unique background. You've done a little bit for John Deere and Case IH, and just kind of run us through your background a little bit. Well, it's, um, I was always had a thirst for the village and planter end, and when I was younger, I followed people that were very sharp in the 70s, a guy I refer a lot, Ivan Rickner and that, out of Pioneer. He was out in the field working hard every day and worked with him for about 10 years. And then we started doing our own testing and that at home. And we kind of took it to another level from that. And we did testing for deer for 15 years and worked for Case and was actually part in on designs at Case and that. And um, we farmed river bottoms, sand clay, contours, terraces, and we had six planters running. And I went around and just set stuff and we did no-till, strip-till, tillage, and um, field called 8-1 pass and all this. And from that, we started doing the seminars all across the United States and they were all day seminars and I would unload a trailer and bring all the parts and that and teach each thing. One thing I'm kind of known as the planner guy, but tillage is my big specialty. Tillage is a marriage to the planner. And uh, we come in and we make things work a lot of times when nobody else can, and you just can't be afraid to change. Speaking of change, Kevin, what, what do you think that is? I mean, as we go into a year like this, uh, cold, quite opposite of last year, do you, with, is it conditions every year that change, whether it's uh, moisture, temperature, the lead us to be in, having to be flexible? Yes, and, you know, it depends if you've done tillage in the fall or tillage in the spring. Mother Nature gives us a change every year. And, you know, I travel 11 states. I work clear out the western part of North Dakota. I'm in South Dakota probably during planning times, 15, 20 times. And, uh, and we follow this crop all the way through. We travel 11 states. And I always say I wouldn't have a job if it didn't change all the time. That's a very good point. I know I had mentioned to you that in my career, I've worked on some some wonderful soils that have been been very easy, but I, I grew up on the tough clays that uh, are hard to manage from year in, year out. So uh, adaptability is key in this industry. Uh, so like, for instance, I was already in Oklahoma planning. I was down there for eight days. And everybody was worried how dry it was. And then it came in and rained an inch. And four days later, it rained three inches. And this is red clay, gray clay. And we had to change exactly what we were doing before. We had to change after the rain. It changed the soil. And just being 
able to look at things and dig. Digging is still very important, no matter your monitors and all this, it's very important to help fine tune things. Exactly, and we'll run through a little bit of stuff. Uh, you know, every bag of seed has a recommendation for proper settings based on its seed weight for plateless, plated, finger, air, vacuum. So all those recommendations are, are on the back of the bag. But Kevin, I know you like to, to clean and calibrate all your meters before you even get started. Tell us a little bit about that and the importance of why uh, comment that you've made in the past is every seed counts. Well, you know, we started set meters in the 80s, and we had more sizes that were more, oh, easier to deal with, let's say. And as things changed, and one thing, we were working for uh, Novartis at the time, and when Roundup hit and rootworm ready and BT and drought stress and heat stress, we saw kernel changes and everybody said, no, it's where it was raised. It was for the lot number. And we found that not to be true. We call them today, we have a lot of wedgies, canoes and torpedoes. And we run a lot of E-sets, precision planning. We work with deer guys. And we just went through this this winter. We clean every meter spotless and start over again. Uh, when we do meters, we have a crew that's been doing these uh, for over 30 years. The same guys do it every year and they do it all year round. They're very good. And what we do is we have our clients, every hybrid they're planning, we run the hybrid through those meters. Like, for instance, if there's a hybrid they have the most of, we set all the meters for it. And then we take the other hybrids and run through there and we give them uh, recommendations. And we just found out, for instance, we had a 33 pound flat my guys did. It wouldn't plant at four and a half mile an hour. It wouldn't plant at five mile an hour, but it would plant at five and a half. But the monitor says it's close enough, but we go for extreme accuracy. Uh, we count 3000 seeds every run and that makes to make sure that thing's going to stay the same then the vacuum pressure and the speed was different for it then alex had the other day a 65 pound round and it was best at four and a half mile an hour at 22 pounds of vac and you know when you look at your monitors they say you're accurate but it's close accurate uh, we go for that extreme precise. We call it recipes. So we give all of our clients a, a worksheet and a recipe. So when they go to plant, they can start and set that vacuum and that speed so they don't have to guess or figure out where they're at. Makes sense to me. And, you know, say we have a 33 pound seed that we planted last year, same variety, same characteristics, and we have that same seed this year. Talk a little bit about the, the plates that we use and, and their, their plastic makeup that allow them to change a little bit from year to year. And, you know, you can take, I'm just, I wanna share this with you. I've taught this for over 20 years traveling, 25 in seminars. I used to bring seed to the seminar 
and I'm just, I want to share this with you. I had a 50 point, you know, two five seed. And then I had a 51 pound round. They were both rounds. And both those seeds would plant different because one was a bigger seed with a lighter test weight. The other one was a smaller seed with a heavier test weight, even though he was the, the uh, um, close, I mean, you'd call 50 to 51 pounds. There should be no difference, right? But the but test weight so. and the lightness of that kernel totally reacts different in that planter. And so, Definitely. you know, so when you look at a seed you had from last year to this year, they they won't plant the same because they were grown at two different places, two different times, and they're going to have two different kernel configurations and different test weights. Makes sense to me on uh, when we're looking at uh, test weight and kernel characteristics, how they can change from year to year, even though the weight of them is, is very similar when we look at pound per bag. Moving on into some other characteristics that we look at uh, in the spring before we get started, you know, pitch alignment is important and the importance of being level. Uh, can you touch on why it's important to have a level hitch height as you go into the planting season? Well, and you could have a level hitch height, but that doesn't mean your parallel linkage is totally level. And, you know, we teach this and it's, um, there's a laminated sheet right in the John Deere planner book that says to have your parallel linkage right, you may have to move your hitch height or move your tire location. Like if your wheels are in between the rows, um, you could have to move those up or down depending on your situation. And when, you're, when your wheels are out front, you can raise your hitch and level your parallel linkage. There's very, it's, that is a very easy thing to do there also. But the, the most level your parallel linkages we find are the best stands and the best spacing. Moving on to other parts of the planters. Um, I know you've been instrumental in some designs as, as we move through the planter. Uh, Let's just touch a little bit on uh, trash cleaners, trash wipers, how to set them, what we're looking for, dry conditions versus wet conditions, clumps, no clumps, kind of what you're looking for as you go into that field. And you know, maybe you're a no-till individual or a clean till. What I always look for is I want to move all that trash. And when you move that trash, what happens, it gives your planter a more consistent planting zone to plant into. So like my no-till stuff, I like to have that cleared. And then in that zone, you have the same condition all the time. And like we were down in uh, Oklahoma, just for instance, we have been running shark's teeth on strip till in the past, but their clumps were so hard that from where they stripped with this red clay during the winter and that we ended up putting tines on and we actually had to take the depth bands off the tines to make that seed bed even. So one of the things I always do in the field, I always carry a spade and all kinds of cutting tools. I would take that spade and level off that ground in front 
of the planter to see where I need to be for soil density consistency. That's how you, I go on a lot of calls in the summertime for companies. Farmers are mad about seed, and a lot of time it's it's and I don't mean this to sound bad, but it's the truth. It it will be prep. It will be poor tillage last fall or poor tillage this spring. And one of the things I will warn people about, we parts of the country I work are very wet right now. And I'm and I was in field Saturday, full tillage that everybody wanted to work. It looks beautiful. I shot a video. We're going to throw that um, on Facebook here this week. And it looks like you ought to be out there working it. The ground temp at six inches deep was 43. At three inches deep, it was 50. But the ground has not made a conversion from winter to spring yet, and it's still gooier. So when I was knelt down moving this dirt, I got up. I told the guys, take the spade and push where my knees were at. You couldn't push the spade in. So one thing I'm really worried about with wet ground this year is we don't work this too early and we compact it and turn hot and dry this summer. We need a root mass. We can hurt our root mass by going too early. We worked a lot of dry country last year. And, you know, we go clear to Dickinson, North Dakota. We work Salby, South Dakota. We're all over South Dakota, Minnesota, Pipestone. Um, Marshall, I mean, we're Fargo area, um, north of Minot. We were so dry. And so we actually took um, shark's teeth in this case. And I usually don't like offsetting trash wheels. But in this case, we offset the trash wheel so we could move more of that drier dirt to get into moisture. And, you know, I know South Dakota is pretty dry. I got a lot of clients up there. And if we continue this dryness, everything you do, you got to be thinking uh, about what that next step is. And don't be afraid to plant this corn deep. I planted corn three inches deep, center North Dakota, uh, Stanton, Coal Harbor, Jamestown. It was dry and everybody was having a fit. And that corn will come. And where they didn't plant deep, that corn didn't, it was uneven. Some of the corn didn't make it. And um, that's uh, very important. There were several areas as I traveled as well, Kevin. Uh, I had 29 corridor up South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, where we did see those uneven stands. So that's uh, good to know as we have areas that are very dry going into it. Don't be afraid to use those trash whippers, push that dirt back and, and get that seed down into some moisture so we can have some consistent emergence. Well, one of the things I just gonna say that north, we cut back everybody. I'm talking about dry land country, dry country. We cut their populations back to 20,000 and on with their variable rating on the poor ground, we were 12 and 14. And we had side-by-side comparisons at 25 to 27. And we had 10 to 15 bushel corn there versus 85 bushel on the other. Making sure we didn't overuse the moisture that we had there by cutting back some population. 
Right. There was just no subsoil moisture at all. Thinking about, you've mentioned some wet ground uh, that you're dealing with in parts of the country and several areas that are dry. It leads me to a, a topic that I find sometimes not a lot of people know about or how to set or is a bit controversial, and that's down pressure, Kevin. I know you're really big on down pressure. Let's, uh, let's touch base a little bit on down pressure and, and what you're looking for when you go into a field. So when I look at down pressure and that, I'm a heavy down pressure guy. And I would rather be too heavy than too light. We see a lot of rootless corn. And uh, I just want to mention some years, 12, 17, uh, last year we saw a lot of rootless corn. We didn't have the ground tight enough. And with our heat and winds today, it blows and twists that plant around. It gets a hole around it. And that plant dries down, those roots dry out, and they won't start without moisture. Uh, the way I teach it, it's a little like your grass going brown in your yard, but it rains, it comes back, they go dormant. And like in 12, we've seen a lot of this uh, in your country across that 90 corridor I got called in on, and we cultivated to mound dirt up around the plant so it started a root mass. And that's where this down pressure comes into play. The drier you are, the more down pressure you need. So. I always check between the gauge wheel and the closing system. I stop that planter going through the field. I just have them push in the clutch and stop. And that V's open and I go examine that V to see if dirt's fallen in and to see if I call them fracture cracks. That should be cracked on the side, but not too loose for dirt to fall in. Front mass retards at 300 to 350 PSI. And if your fracture cracked on the side, um, you'll, you're gonna be able to pack that dirt around that seed. But if you're too loose, that dirt will wanna fall off in there. And I'll just share, I was north of Minot and on these farms, I'd been there like six times and one field, it just kept changing. And we had to drive four mile an hour at full delta force, all the down pressure we could get for the gauge wheel to have time to pack that ground if it was that dry. So I will go back and cut that ground behind the planter to see how tight it is. I use a three inch uh, scraper you can buy at Home Depot, Menards and that. And you can cut that and fill the density and so if you guys are in dry country, and I've got a lot of clients that I'm worried about this year, and um, that's what we did last year. And it's, you can have, that monitor can tell you everything's right, but you still gotta go dig and fill. And that's how we get those precise stands that we get. And it's a dig and feel, case by case basis, field by field, uh, day by day, wouldn't you think, Kevin? It is. I that one I was telling you. I I just bounce back when I get in an area from farm to farm to farm, and the guys are calling me. This field's totally different. This one's and you just got to change. And you know, and everybody goes, I gotta go. I gotta go. My clients say, Well, Kevin's here. We won't get anything done for a while. 
we're going to make sure we get this thing set right. And it's your whole year's income. And these, when you're against adverse conditions, you have to, I'm worried we're going to turn hot and dry this summer. Kind of nailed this thing last year. It looks like to me the Midwest could be wet this spring and turn hot and dry. And that could be a bad deal if everybody works too early. But right now, you know, like I said, I have a lot of clients, South Dakota, Western Minnesota, Western Iowa, North Dakota, we are very dry. And you're really going to have to manage your moisture. And um, like I say, dude, don't be afraid to plant deep. These plants are tough. And when you're dry like this, they have no trouble coming through. We'd rather have it in moisture and use the uh, vigor of that seed to get up and out of the ground and get things started off right. So um, heat cabins warning there. Uh, make sure you get it in the ground and don't be afraid to uh, get it down in there and bury it. Let's talk a little bit, uh, last subject here, as we're looking at the planter and, and how we want to set things. Uh, closing wheels. There's lots of different types of closing wheels out there. Um, I, I certainly got my preference based on soil type and how dry or wet the soil is. And, but would you touch a little bit on closing wheels and, and which ones you want to use for certain situations? And then maybe touch on the importance a little bit of Kevin of, of having it lined up right and shimmed correctly to make sure that you're not causing any issues after you've got the seed set correctly in the ground. So that's something I see. I've been showing those pictures for over 35 years traveling. And the V closers won't be lined up half the time right. And they are hard to keep lined up. So let's share um, up by Salem, South Dakota. Let's just use that area last year. We were planting up there and I pull in and we switched, they switched fields from a field I've been at, came back. We, we have taught to use cruisers or yetters twisters. Um, in the past on the wet years. So I've seen this in 2012, the cruisers pushed down hard because there's no moisture to speak of. And the dry dirt will go down faster than the wet dirt. And we had dry dirt pushed down by those seeds. Well, we needed to conserve every bit of moisture. So in that case, you would need to switch to rubbers. And one thing I would tell guys, you got some time yet. Um, we, if on your closing systems, we had brackets that we made so they would bolt on and you could take your wheels off and on fast. They were threaded. We tell people just weld nuts in the backside of your closing wheel so you can change these easy because it's a son of the gun holding a wrench because this guy does it every day, you know, <laughs> and uh, and you're more apt to change them. So from going from cruisers to rubber, vice versa. And I will tell you one thing, the width of your closers has been taught an inch and a quarter. And so even with cruisers and that, we actually find an inch and a half and sometimes inch and a five eighths is better. And I always make a V and I show people, where is this pushing this dirt to? 
you got to think where that seed's at, where you need to push that moisture to the packet. There's other closing systems out there. The new case planters are very good. The older case planters, we actually made a heavier spring for them. And we put bushings in the spring because we had so much dance in the disc closers. And we have made a great planter out of those. And there's precision hazard closing system out there. Martin has one. And we actually invented one. We worked seven years before we went to the market. And it's two closing discs with a white wheel on the back. And it is, we plan in pure dry conditions and it worked great last year. And like I say, those are things to look at in the future if you haven't. And um, the, the main thing is, think you guys, I know right now I got guys that had no snow out by Platte. South Dakota. I've been on the phone with them and it's gonna I'm a narrow gauge fill guy too. The narrow the gauge fill you can get more down pressure on these planters. And the other thing you can get with a narrow gauge wheel, you can get more even soil density consistency. Because the white gauge wheel can ride out on the trash, lift it up, and you can't put near the down pressure on it that you'd like. Uh, white gauge wheels were actually made when we all plowed in the 70s in the Midwest, and they were a flotation device, not the pack ground with boxes. But we've been running narrow gauge wheels since 2006. There's a, they're all over the country. There, there's lots of planters have those on their day, and that's, that's going to help in dry conditions also very much. Very good tip for us. Uh as we look at these dry conditions across the, our countryside. Uh, one last thing I'll, I'll touch on here, Kevin, is and you touched on it a little bit earlier, but um, you made a statement to me once that uh, everything is taught through the sidewall. Uh, could you just touch on that briefly on as you go out there, how you teach through the sidewall and, and what that tells you um, as you're looking at uh, setting your planner? So, Mike, for instance, you start out at 100 pounds of down pressure on Delta Force or John Deere or whoever, okay? Or if you have airbags, you may be 280 or whatever, or 200. And you go back to it. So the thing that I check when I stop this planter in the field, I use a 12-inch scraper trimmer. You can buy it. I like Home Depot is the best. You can buy them at Menards and such. And I stick that in behind there and I pull that dirt away from one side. And then I study that whole B clear the bottom. And I take my finger to see if I can pluck that away. And if I can move that with my finger, I don't have too much down pressure. So again, root mass retards at 300 to 350 PSI. So those fracture cracks in there tell you that that soil's broke so you can pack it. Now, if you're too dry, you'll kind of see your stress cracks will kind of be at an angle a lot of times. I call them stress cracks from fracture from the disc opener at 14 degrees. And then if you're dry, you'll see those cracks up and down more. If you have dry dirt falling in there or 
if that sidewall is caving off, you need more down pressure. So I, I always study for fracture cracks. Very important part of the planning is, is your trench and getting it right. And I think those are some great tips from Kevin on what to look for as you're setting your planners in the spring here. I'd like to thank Kevin Kimberly for coming on our podcast today. You can find him at KimberlyAgConsulting.com. If you're interested in working with Kevin, he works with uh, farmers all up and down the, the uh, Midwest from North Dakota to Oklahoma, Wyoming to Ohio. So he covers quite a broad territory. They are a family-owned company, uh, just like Rob Seco, and he's had many of the same employees since the 1980s. So there's a lot of institutional knowledge there. Thank you for coming on, Kevin. Thanks for having me today. It was nice talking with you. Yes, for sure. Remember to join the Field Ready Podcast on the 1st and 15th of every month. Stay field ready. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Rob Seco Field Ready Podcast. Join us next time to be field ready. A Huda Media Production.